This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. So why do seagulls live near the sea? Because if they live near the bay, they'd be bagels. Welcome to Wings and Things, where you'll find real answers to real questions about everything you want to know about pet birds. Care, feeding, bird products, travel, and more. Everything to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. From parrots to parakeets, cockatiels to cockatoos, you'll have a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about your fun, feathered friends. So, spread your wings and get ready to fly on Wings and Things. Welcome to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. We're your hosts, Barbara Heidenreich from Good Bird Inc. and Robin Shiwokas from the Leather Elves. Today's topic is promoting naturalistic behavior. So have you ever seen a bird on a bicycle in the wild? Or does someone climb the trees in the wild to cut up fruit into tiny chunks for birds? Those are the kind of things we're going to talk about. We'll be right back after these messages. Sitting on a branch overlooking the parking lot, the pigeons watched as a Mercedes pulled in below them. What do you think, one bird said to the other. Should we put a deposit on that car? Stay perched. Wings and Things will be soaring back right after these messages. What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Pretty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain, likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to prettylittercats.com forward slash cat 101 or use coupon code cat 101 to get 20% off your first subscription order. Let's talk pets on petliferadio.com. A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks, where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back. Welcome back to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. Today we're talking about naturalistic behavior and how to get more of that out of your parrot. So the bird on the bicycle. Have you, have you ever seen that bird in the wild? Oh, sure. And, a, and it, on a Harley, too. <laughs> yeah, well, that's for the high canopy stuff. But um, it's really one of the things that we hear a lot is um, people saying, you know, I, I don't want to do that. It's not a showy behavior. It, it's just natural. It's boring. But I think there are so many things that you can work on with your bird for enrichment and training that bring out those natural behaviors. And, and you can work them into, you know, if it needs to be showy for some reason, then you can work them into funny situations. Yeah, I mean, funny behaviors and cute little things, they're, they're entertaining and all that. But sometimes um, the natural behaviors are more appealing to some people. Some people really like seeing a parrot behave more like a parrot. And you especially see that. 
Um, if you go to maybe a, a bird show at a zoo where they might be teaching conservation education and their hope is to inspire you to care about parrots in the wild and if they can show you how fabulous they are just being parrots, that um, is sometimes a really important goal as opposed to can we make you laugh. Yeah, I think it's important for people to remember that the, their parrots, they're not living in a bubble. There is that bigger picture to things that, you know, what is happening in the wild with their particular species or, or with parrots in general. And by, you know, working on those natural behaviors Behaviors and trying to give them enrichment that works with their natural history, you're showing people what they're really all about. Yeah. Actually, this is a little jump in topic, but it just reminded me that there's a great email going around how a whole bunch of land got bought up to help uh, save blue-throated macaws. It's very exciting. Yeah. And, and so there are you know, a lot of conservation projects out there, and, and you can pick and choose the ones that you want to support. Just you know, do your research um, when, you're, when you're considering the ones that you want to work with. Yeah, and actually, if you... Again, getting back to our topic about trying to train behaviors that you might see parrots do out in the wild, what a great opportunity for you to learn about parrots if you go out and do a little eco-tour and get there to see go. parrots out in the wild. And what you can start doing is making some mental notes or maybe taking some video to see what kinds of things do these guys do that you could maybe have your bird doing in your home. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, you know, maybe not everybody can get out there and do the eco-tour. It's a wonderful opportunity, but if they can't, then people, there are so many resources on the web people can can go on the internet and there's all kinds of footage of wild parrots and and resources and, and information about them that people can look up yeah i like watching those nature shows that show parrots out in the wild and a great uh resource is polyvision by by the world parrot trust which is meant to sort of keep your bird entertained and occupied during the day but you can learn a lot from watching it as well you definitely can and you know for people who are saying oh i don't have that time to spend with my bird so throw in a video about wild parrots and watch it with your bird oh isn't that sweet it's a bonding moment <laughs> and as i mentioned you know those bird shows and zoos that are doing conservation education you can get some great ideas there too and so you know have a nice outing with your family go to the the zoo and take in a bird show and get some ideas you know the ideas keep flowing and you've got now you're thinking, okay, well, that's what they do. Well, how can you kind of simulate that in your bird's environment at your home? Mm -hmm. And when you're thinking about what you're going to do for enrichment and how you can change it up from just the, the toy that hangs there, you can consider what that wild behavior is and how can you make some of those things accessible to your bird. Yeah, and I like that then you can become an educator to your friends and family and coworkers. So say you've taught your parrot to do something that you learned from observing some parrot behavior in the wild, whether it's in real life or on video. And then you can maybe share with some people, you know, look, this is what my parrot does. Or I can give you a good example. Like they're, they have uh, those zygodactyl feet. They have two toes mm -hmm. that point forward and two toes that point backward. And obviously all of us parrot owners know they're, they're very adept at climbing and manipulating things with their feet. And just even training your, your bird to, you know, pick up that foot and kind of move those little toes around or grasp onto something could be a great opportunity to share with maybe your child or, or your, your family or your other friends that parrots have this really unique foot structure that serves a purpose for them out in the wild. Mm -hmm. and, and I think people do need to see how exciting some of those wild behaviors are. And they don't have to be big and flashy. They can be the lift of the foot, the small, the small behavior. But it's something to show people that it doesn't have to be you know, birds are, are doing all these really interesting tricks. It, it's not about, you know, 
how flashy they can be, how exciting they can be. Those natural behaviors are exciting in themselves, and it's great to get people excited about that. Yeah, and nothing against trick training or trick behaviors. No. I like them too, but we're just thinking uh, of a few different directions you might want to go with your training. If you if you've already trained, you know, the wave and the turnaround, the retrieve, and um, you know, cute little behaviors there, you might be looking for something to expand your horizons. Mm -hmm. And you can work them into into little shows, if you will, or demonstrations for your friends, you can work those natural behaviors in. Mm -hmm. Well, what are some, some of those natural behaviors we could have them work on? Well, you know, there are different things. When you look at, when you're watching those videos, see what they're doing, see what comes most naturally and observe your own bird. You know, this, the bird may be exhibiting some of those natural behaviors and you don't even attribute them that way. You may think of them as, oh, well, this is my captive parrot. This is something that captive parrots do. And make that comparison. See if you, you know, while you're watching the, the footage, see if there are things that your bird does already that, that may be a wild behavior in itself. So what are some of those things? Hmm. Have to think about it, huh? No, I have a, I have a few that I can think of when I think about training a parrot. A lot of times, it's just if you sat there and looked at your parrot and watched what he was doing. What of those behaviors might you say? Hmm, I could capture that and put it on cue. And capturing is a great way to get behavior instead of having to break it down into tiny steps and teach your bird how to do each little tiny step. You just catch your bird in the act of doing the behavior and you reinforce them. You also want to use your bridge to let him know that that's exactly what I wanted because you might not be standing right next to him. You know, maybe he's sitting on a perch. 10 feet away from you or something and he does one of those beautiful little ballet stretches where he balances on one leg and he has his, his wings stretched all the way out and you can actually put that behavior on cue so he'll do it when you request it and it, to do that though you're just capturing it so you see him do the behavior you bridge him the moment he's done that behavior and you come over and you reinforce him now at first he's not going to know what the heck you're doing? <laughs> Why did you just come over here and, is she giving me this? and say that was good? But after a few repetitions um, where, you know, and it, it won't all happen in just 20 minutes like you might have when you're training a behavior by shaping it with approximations. But if he offers that behavior, you know, once, twice a day, maybe, you know, several times over the week and you happen to be able to be there to bridge and reinforce, he'll start making the connection. Every time I stretch that wing way out... I hear the bridge and I get a treat. Let me see if I can offer that in front of her and see what happens. <laughs> and I, I think it brings up a good point that it will hone your observation skills as well. This is putting you to the test as a trainer that you need to be aware. Oh, oh he just stretched out that wing or, or oh, he just did that behavior that I'm trying to capture and make sure that you've got, you know, it comes back to that whole bird trainer with the seeds in the pocket thing. You need to have your your reinforcer ready and your bridge ready to bridge when that occurs. As I'm looking at the bag of treats sitting on the, the counter right here next to us, <laughs> I've always got some treats handy, whether it's for my dog or my birds or any other animal in my house. She, yeah. she, she's a good reinforcer. <laughs> <laughs> I try my best. Um, but some other behaviors that parrots do out in the wild, what about things that might be useful for enrichment? There are a lot of different things that, that you see that you say, oh, well, hey, my, my bird does some of that, but you know, may want to encourage it a little bit more. Foraging is a huge one. You know, We've discussed it a number of times in different podcasts, but the foraging is definitely a behavior that you can translate into an enrichment opportunity for your bird. You know, you put that, that foraging opportunity down, you, you put it where it would be in the wild, and that, again, takes that research. You know, is it a ground forager? Is it a, an arboreal forager? 
what what does your bird do? And then you can use that for an enrichment opportunity. And it's just being aware of of what that natural behavior would be. I know you have to kind of do you know food stuff in moderation, but one of the things that I love seeing is when you can put like a whole food thing in there and they can tear it apart. I was at one of the zoos where I consult. They had a a whole head of lettuce mm-hmm. that they cable tied. Um, you know, not not the iceberg, the nice romaine or something that they had cable tied to the inside of the enclosure. And this enclosure has five fabulous sun conures in it that are very well trained and um, participate in uh, a contact area with guests. And these little birds had shredded the heck out of the the lettuce. That was pretty cool. And and that's definitely something they do. You know, and and you're right, the food does sometimes get overused, but it's a matter of presentation. It's, you know, do you put the whole melon in? Do you put the half a melon in? Do you, uh, pomegranates are, are, are a great, example you know and I don't know if any of you out there have used pomegranates before but and they are kind of seasonal but um, right around the Thanksgiving time is when you usually see them but it will look like there has been a mass murder in the cage (laughs) Um, the pomegranate gets everywhere but if you put a slice of it don't you know I I made the mistake initially of picking out every single pomegranate seed and putting it in the bowl and that's not a natural behavior and then you looked like the murderer I did your fingers were all red (laughs) <laughs> um, but, you know, we we joked in the beginning of the, the intro about what the topic was today. And those little chunks of food that we're constantly cutting up and giving our birds, that that's not how it happens in the wild. Yeah. You know, that, that dicer and slicer is not out there in the treetops. And I would say, like, with my lettuce example, it's not so much that the birds were eating the lettuce. They were just tearing it apart. So I think, you know, maybe the whole food item, you have to be more careful when it's something that maybe they shouldn't consume too much of. Right. In one sitting. (laughs) In in moderation. I mean, a lot of people, you know, the nuts and things like that, nut rings and nut toys that people give their birds, it's one of those things that I tell people, put it in and take it out. You know, and and as far as naturalistic behavior is concerned, it's not always the same thing every day. You know, you, they fly, the flock may fly to one area and find one type of food, may fly to another area and find, you know, some other leaf that they're shredding or, but it's not always the same. And so it's up to you as the provider of that food to provide different things for them. Mm -hmm. I also remember we used to, you know, for some of those birds that hang out on the ground too, we used to take things like pea-sized gravel as a substrate where we would hide stuff in there. And even some species of parrots do like to dig in the dirt. And so if you've got a, you know, a safe dirt resource for you, that's kind of fun for them too. There are a lot of species that will, um, will nest in cliff faces and that excavation piece is there. And if you can find a a substance that they can do that with safely, um, that that's a great opportunity. And as far as um, the produce and things are concerned, seasonal produce is a great opportunity. Pumpkins. I mean, you can put all kinds of things in pumpkins, and and the birds will will get them out. And it's a foraging opportunity. It's a a unique food item, uh, and it's just something that, that, again, you have to be aware of what's what's fresh and, you know, what's safe. But it is a a great chance to see them foraging. Being that it's that time of year, I was uh, recently at at a zoo where I consult, and they had a pumpkin carving contest. And I'll tell you, it's pretty amazing, pretty fabulous pumpkin carving contest. And um, apparently the reptile department always steals the show. And last year they actually made a Galapagos tortoise out of pumpkins and gourds. This year they made a uh, a frog because it's the year of the frog and they have the declining amphibian problem. And afterwards they give the pumpkin to the Galapagos tortoises. Mm -hmm. And so they have a picture from last year where the tortoise is 
biting into the pumpkin version oh, of the tortoise. Oh, so it's a little um a little cannibalism going on there, but but it was a fabulous pumpkin, I will say. It's a great video opportunity too. <laughs> it um, is. So I'm way off track now though, huh? No, well we're still, we're still at foraging. <laughs> we we we've gone a little bit afield, but we're coming back. So Well should we take a little break and then and then come back and jump right back into all that? Why don't we do that? Let's take a break. So we'll be right back after these messages. Stay perched. Wings and things will be soaring back right after these messages. Put on a perfectly possum pet party. Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit Pet Party Accessories, party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photo prop kits include funny glasses and hats. The party supplies and decorations include coordinating table covers, party banners, cake decorations, and treat bowls, cups, and bags. Everything you need to create great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes, Tropical and Fireman. It's a dog's life. Celebrate it with Molly and Bandit Pet Party at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash petlife. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks, where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back. Welcome back to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio with your hosts, Robin Chawokas and Barbara Heidenreich. Okay, so natural behaviors. You know, again... You know, I feel like I'm always telling you guys that you need to do research, but it's true. You know, watching those videos, seeing what they're doing. One of the things that comes to mind is climbing. You know, the, our birds that are in cages are forever climbing on the sides and climbing from perch to perch. And, you know, the ones that maybe aren't flighted do a lot of climbing. And we, we can encourage that behavior and you can create enrichment with that behavior. You know, put a lot of different levels in your cages and then the birds can use that climbing ability um, to go from point A to point B. And you can train that behavior. You can put it on cue. Um, a, a great way, as you always hear me say, is to use your target to help create that behavior of going from point A to point B. Um, and then you can phase out the target and just put a hand cue with it so that the bird learns when you give a little a little cue, or it could be a verbal cue as well. Um, it just means go climb that thing. Right. And, and it, you'll get reinforced. One of the things that, that comes up a lot um, that I tell people is that great African greys are um, actually much more adept at climbing than they are at flying. And it's one of those things. Wait, that is that because they're clipped? <laughs> No. <laughs> because I've seen some good African greys. But they, but they, are de- but they do definitely climb a lot in the wild. Oh. Um, and it's, it's something that you can encourage with your, your pet bird. And the other thing that I think we, we sometimes forget is, is the ground walking piece. The food or, or whatever they're after is not always up in the trees. There are anim- birds that come down um, and do a lot of ground walking. And it's a, it's a matter of a tactile stimulation. And so you can encourage that, that natural behavior by offering things, you know, whether it be if you do take your bird outside on a harness or you can do it on, on grass, if you've got different kinds of, of textures on the ground um, in your home whether it be a rug or astroturf or concrete. And you can offer those different opportunities as a form of enrichment. It's a tactile sensation for your bird. People have come to my workshop have seen this video clip, but I often show the video of us taking a penguin on a walk. Yeah. <laughs> and it really, the, the real way that we train this behavior is we don't use food reinforcers for it. Um, 
Instead, this particular penguin really finds going on a walk enriching. And what we found is every time we open a door for him, um, it's sort of he gets excited because he gets he knows he's a little cl- step closer to going out for that walk. So we actually used the opportunity to go through a door to continue on with that walk to help train him to wear a harness step by step. So that's how we use that to train our approximations. And then for him, just going out there and going for the walk is is really reinforcing for him. He's very anxious to get through that door if he has the opportunity to. So walking is very reinforcing for some animals. It definitely is. And I think a lot of times, we've talked about this before too, a lot of times enrichment opportunities are good reinforcers. They're not just that enrichment opportunity by by itself. Mm -hmm. You can be used as as a a reinforcer. And there's um, the president of the Connecticut Parrot Society has um, some blue and gold macaws. And one of the things she does with them is she allows them to walk around in her backyard on the grass. And they love it. They go from, you know, from one side to the other, and they're doing some foraging behavior while they're down there on the ground. And I, I observed them for a while, and it was really about the walking and that sensation of being down on the ground. And they do, you know, they are um, flighted, and they do, you know, go up and in, into the trees sometimes. But that walking sensation was very reinforcing for them, and it was enriching as well. Mm-hmm. One of the things, you know, some birds do is cache things away, save them for later. And if you give your your bird an opportunity, as long as you're aware that if it's a food item, then it's not going to get hidden away and get stinky and nasty in the cage. Um, They will put things away for later. And you can encourage that by offering them, you know, toys that have cavities that they can put things in. Or, and vice versa, toys that they can take those. You can put things in and then they can get them later on. Mm -hmm. Do we know any parrot species specifically that cache? I know. I mean, certainly, like birds like corvids, crows, and ravens, and jays. But I'm trying to think. I mean, I could see a bird putting things someplace. I don't know if they. It may. It may not be technically caching behavior. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's putting it aside. Um, and I, you know, I know that my bird will take things from one place to another, put it there, and then bring other things mm-hmm. over. And Nikki's a kaik, but they will. T- he will take things from his bowl, move them to another um, spot in the mm-hmm. cage, and then he also likes to take them to the water. Um, so offering that water mm-hmm. um, is important too. Yeah. Ooh, and then there's flight. Those of you that have flighted parrots, it's it's a different skill set to learn when you have a flighted parrot as far as training. But it is obviously a great natural behavior, great way for them to get exercise. And the thing about flight, though, that I think that sometimes people get a little put off by is that they think it, again, means chaos and out of control. And, oh, my God, my house is going to be, you know, all poop all over it and they're going to chew everything. And that can happen if you don't train your parrot. Right. <laughs> but what you can do is you can train them to fly to certain locations and that those locations are going to offer great reinforcers, whether it's enrichment items or food or attention, whatever. You can set perches up all over your house that are easily accessed for your birds, so they're more likely to go to those places and some of those difficult places to land, like say maybe on the bookshelf and chew on the books. Instead, you have a perch nearby that's easy out in the open, all full of good reinforcers, so they Mm -hmm. can't wait to go to that spot. So you can encourage those flight behaviors, um, that natural behavior, and also have it be somewhat controlled. You know, and I also teach, when I it's great to teach a parrot to fly to you on cue. You want a great recall, but you also want to teach them to fly to places when you ask them to because mm-hmm. there's nothing more uh, troublesome than having a bird keep flinging itself at you when <laughs> you're trying to get work done or you're you know trying to do something that maybe your parrot shouldn't be around. And so it's important that they also learn to go away from you when you ask them to. So you have to set up those opportunities. I think that's important. Yeah. 
Um, one of the thing, another thing that comes up is communication. I mean, the communication in the wild for for parrots is is so important, and you know, l allowing them to do that and allowing that as an enrichment opportunity, giving them that time, you know, whether it be in the morning or the late afternoon, so that they can um, communicate as they would in the wild. I think that's that's a very important piece, and you can p play same species vocalizations, do some auditory enrichment for your bird, and that way that communication piece is kind of fulfilled. Yeah, some birds seem to respond to other loud noises going on, like vacuuming, right? Or it's true, running water, or you know your dishwasher going or the dryer going. Sometimes those noises get them a little stimulated to to start vocalizing. Yeah, and once those vocalizations start, you wanna you wanna work with them, whether you're trying to elicit you know, a little bit non-natural verbalization mm -hmm. you know, in human speech, or if you do want to have them verbalize in the, you know, their own vocalizations on cue. Um, well, actually, that brings me to one of the things that we did uh, at Discovery Island with a blue and gold macaw named Kayla. We actually very intentionally trained her to scream on cue. Mm -hmm. And the reason we did it is because we wanted to demonstrate to our audiences that uh, a screaming behavior, just, just how loud a parrot can scream and so if you are considering getting a parrot as a pet, you know what you're getting into. And what, when, you know, one of the strategies that sometimes is suggested for training a behavior you no longer want to have presented is to put it on cue so that the animal learns to present it only when cued as opposed to all these other times. And I don't remember Kayla being a particularly, you know, you know, terrible scream or anything like that. I think, you know, I, but I do remember that she was very eager to give it uh, on cue when we asked her to. And just to expand upon that, we we actually trained what we called the house wrecker routine with her where we had a little, this is not quite so much no, a natural behavior. Not something you want to train in your home. <laughs> but again, it was educational for our audiences. We had like a little pretend windowsill and we put her on the windowsill and she would knock over a flower pot. She would pull down the curtains. She would bite a chunk of wood out of the set and then she would do her scream on cue. And that's how we let people know. That this could be you if you don't follow positive reinforcement <laughs> yeah. and enrichment training. There are some challenges of having a parrot in your home, but, but it all came, you know, back goes back to putting that screaming on cue, which was a natural vocalization for her, but we just put it on cue and we use that capturing uh, strategy that we discussed earlier. Okay, so what are some other behaviors, Barbara, that you've seen that you might be able to capture or that you could train? Well, we mentioned raising a foot. You know, certainly birds will raise a little foot to scratch their heads, things like that, and you can even put that scratching on cue. Um, we talked about the wing stretch, like the big ballet stretch. A lot of parrots will hang from their beak, mm -hmm. and you can even teach them to hang from their beak. That wonderful thing where they do where they shake out all their feathers, um, that's called a rouse, and that's a term that comes from, an old English term comes from falconry, and it just and it just refers to that shaking all their feathers out. You can actually capture that behavior as well and put it on cue. And same with a yawn, which can be helpful if you're trying to train your bird to open his mouth on cue. Um, with cockatoos and uh, birds with those crest feathers or hawk-headed parrots, that's Ooh. a pretty one. You can train them to put their crest feathers up on mm -hmm. cue. That's a nice natural behavior. And a lot of these behaviors, as I mentioned, are captured behaviors. So again, you're gonna. it's not going to be that you have a little sit-down 20-minute training session. You're going to see your animal, present that behavior, and go, oh, I want that. So your timing with your bridge is going to be really important. You want to you want to offer your bridge, whether you use the word good or a click or a whistle, whatever works for you right when you see that behavior, and then deliver that reinforcer as quick as you can, whatever reinforcer your bird's like, whether it's attention or head scratches or a treat, um, to get that behavior happening more often. And then your goal is to actually put it on cue. So that means you start 
seeing if you can predict when your bird's going to offer that behavior because he'll start figuring out this is earning me goodies I'm going to start offering that behavior more often and when you think you can predict it you try inserting the cue right before you think that behavior is going to happen and then you reinforce then and then over time what you do is you selectively reinforce for only when the bird presents the behavior when you get that cue in there first and you start phasing out reinforcing it for um, just offering the behavior. So again, that takes a little planning and, and observation on your part. Well, it might, yeah, definitely observation on your part. And it might mean you want to make sure you've got lots of um, whatever your reinforcers are, whether it's going to be treats or whatever, available to you really easily. So any room that you're going to be in and your bird is in there, I would have, you know, for me, I like to use the food treats. So I'd have a stash of food treats in those rooms. And it actually would be nice if you can get that, that reinforcer to be a head scratch or something like that. That way you don't have to physically have anything besides yourself available when you're doing training. Yeah, or a little attention. A lot of, especially for vocal behaviors, a lot of birds, you know, they respond to that, that attention piece. You get all excited when they talk and their eyes start pinning. They're like, ooh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> I said that and look what happened. Or, 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 or if it's a scream, if that's what you want, you know, whatever behavior you want. And then you can take it even further. You can even chain all those natural behaviors together. And what that means is instead of reinforcing each behavior separately, you're going to take two of those behaviors and see if you can um, cue for one of them and then insert a cue for the next one and then reinforce those two. And then you start phasing out having to cue the second behavior or, or reinforce in between there. Okay. So, but chaining it could be a whole other topic for another day. We've got, got a lot we could talk about with that. So I don't know. I think we've given you a few ideas there, some natural behaviors you could, you could get your bird doing if you wanted to. And hopefully you can come up with some of your own and, and let us know about those and, and send us your ideas. Yeah, or, or little video clips. Let us know if you put a video of your bird up on YouTube and we can go check it out and see what you've trained. Pretty cool. So shall we move on to upcoming events? Upcoming events. In January, um, the 23rd to the 25th, Parrot Festival is occurring in Houston. It's hosted by the National Parrot Rescue and Preservation Foundation. And it's a three-day event with great lecturers, a ton of vendors, and I'll have a booth there and stop by and say hello. And then on February 21st, Barb and I will both be presenting at a day-long seminar that's hosted by the Greater Cincinnati Bird Club. You can visit their website at www.gcbclub.org. Um, February 22nd, I will be in doing a enrichment workshop with Cleveland Peace. And then February 24th through 28th, it's the International Association of Avian Trainers and Educators Annual Conference in Cincinnati, Ohio. And you can visit iaate.org for more info. And then March 14th, I'll be in Dallas, Texas, teaching a parrot behavior and training workshop for Bird Haven. Their website is bird-haven.org. March 28th, I'll be in Old Saybrook, Connecticut, uh, teaching a flight training seminar hosted by Featherlust Farm Bird Store, and you can visit their website at featherlustfarm.com. April 18th and 19th, uh, we'll be in Ontario, Canada with Susan Friedman, teaching a parrot behavior and training workshop. The actual city is Barrie, Ontario, and their website is parrotworkshops.org. Then May 9th and 10th, I will be in Finland, and May 16th and 17th, I'll be in France, and May 23rd and 24th, I'll be in Portugal, and you can find more information on those events at goodbirdinc.com. And then May 29th through the 31st is the Best Parrot Conference in Edison, New Jersey, with Barbara and myself and Dr. Susan Friedman and Joanna Eccles from the World Parrot Trust. You can get more information at bestparrotconference.com. And then October 24th to the 31st, um, I'll be on the 09 Parrot Lovers Cruise. This is a cruise for, 
for parrot lovers going to Panama, Costa Rica, and Cozumel. And you can get more information on that at Baldman, B-A-L-D-M-A-N, travel.com. And then a few websites to check out. You can always go to thebestparrotconference.com, goodbirdinc.com, and theleatherelves.com. Some resources that we've got for you as far as this uh, natural behavior is concerned is um, captive foraging. We've mentioned it before. Uh, It's the next best thing to being free by Dr. Scott Eccles. Uh, Polyvision from World Parrot Trust. That's the wild bird footage. Uh, A great resource for finding out general species information about your birds is Parrots of the World by um, Joseph Forshaw. And then another good video is Stalking the Wild Amazons by Michael Schindlinger. Mm, For all those Amazon lovers. It's true. And then my enrichment tip of the week is do your homework. Um, Try to refrain from offering opportunities that really don't have anything to do with your bird's natural history. And then for the training tip of the week, I wanted to remind people that when you're capturing a behavior, that part of the training process is to phase out reinforcing when your bird offers the behavior and only reinforce the behavior when it's presented in conjunction with a cue. So that's that, that transition you make where you're trying to insert that cue. Once you think you're getting pretty good, at the bird presenting right after you cue, stop reinforcing just for offering the behavior. This will get you past that stage of he only does it when he feels like it, not when I ask him. All right, we've been uh, getting lots of questions from people uh, uh, that they'd like to see answered on the podcast. So we've got one now from Belinda. And Belinda says she has a 27-year-old Yellowknife Amazon who came to uh, her from her niece um, because the uh, someone else had passed away and passed it on to the niece. The niece had him for a year, and her family tormented the bird. He bites everyone who gets close to him. He talks up a storm, and Belinda would so love to be able to hold him. Her question is, do you think I can get him to trust me? I've had him for almost a year. Hmm. That's too bad that he came that way. Yeah, it's unfortunate. We never, you know, 27 years, there's a lot of learning that's happened for that bird there, and um, and unfortunately, that means... He may have learned to be quite uncomfortable mm-hmm. around people, depending on what they did with him. But the good news is, is that you can make progress. There you go. Yeah. And one of the things we did talk about a lot in this in this episode was about capturing behavior. And one thing that will help you develop a re- relationship with that bird is for him to learn how to learn. And capturing is a great way for him to get involved in that learning process. So if he says something that you like, since you mentioned he talks up a storm, you could actually work on capturing some of those vocal behaviors. And so what that means is when he says something, you'll want to bridge him, maybe say the word good, go in the room and offer him one of his favorite treats. And pretty soon he'll start figuring out that his action of saying something is causing you to come into the room and give him treats. So he gives him some control over his environment and it also earns him something he really enjoys, which you know hopefully is a nice food treat. And that's being paired with you. So it starts building a relationship with you. And it's along the lines of some of those other, you know, so-called stupid pet tricks we've talked about, like waving and turnaround, things like that. They can really help you get started with your bird, get help you build that relationship. And then um, you can take it from there into other things like learning how to step up and perhaps even to the point where he enjoys some tactile interaction with you, like head scratches. And I think, too, from an enrichment point of view, your bird can't be biting if he's interacting with something with his mouth um, if you're offering him enrichment opportunities you know maybe he can you can get closer to him while he's interacting with it with an enrichment device or you know toy something like that yeah you're pairing a, a another positive reinforcer with your presence you know so you're hanging out while he's playing with a great toy so yep that can help too so don't give up hope there's definitely um hope we're never too old to learn and your 27 year old yellow nape amazon is not too old to learn either 
So thanks for your question, Belinda. You win a free digital download of Good Bird magazine. And if anyone else has questions, you can visit goodbirdinc.com. And on the homepage, you'll see the place where you can submit your questions. So with that, we are out of time. And if you have suggestions or questions that you'd like to ask us, um, you can contact us at robin at petliferadio.com or barbara at petliferadio.com. And as always, if you'd like transcripts of this show, please visit www.petliferadio.com. See you next time. Bye-bye. Join us every week on Wings and Things and get a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about pet birds and how to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. Wings and Things, only on PetLifeRadio.com.